Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Eva Kennatz on the show. She has written a few books, or more than a few books, um, but she has written about sacred geometry, she has written about runes, and she has written about tree magic. Uh, all, all these are definitely related topics, and uh, I'm ready to dive into it. Thank you for coming on today. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so what got you started into uh, researching these traditions? What's the, what, what came first? Uh, the, the, was it the runes? Yeah, it was the runes because um, it was when I had, uh, when I met my husband. So I was 19 and he introduced me to the runes because he's Icelandic and um, he was always into runes through his, you know, um, culture. So it was definitely the runes. And I just, like, ever since he introduced me to it, I had this feeling that I already know the runes. There was some familiarity. And I don't know if that's from some previous lifetimes or maybe because, um, I mean, there were some Germanic tribes in, in Czechia where I come from. So it, it could be both or either one of them, but I felt like um, some power in it that I'm supposed to delve into. And then I started to notice them everywhere in nature. And that's what attracted me even more to them because I realized that they are this language of nature and that they are inherently all around us. So that was like the main the main thing that got me interested. And then also, of course, the synchronicity with the runes, because they really start to like uh, talk to people that are um, studying them or that are into them uh, through nature or through different synchronicities. Yeah, so it was like, I, it was definitely the runes. <laughs> Great. Um, so can you give my listeners like a, a brief history of what runes are and where they came from? Yeah. Uh, well, I, in my opinion, they're much more ancient um, than we know now. But um, like from what we know from our history, they come from the ancient Germanic alphabet. So from uh, Central Europe. And uh, they were found, like some say that they may have developed from the Etruscan alphabet from um, Italy because they were found there. Uh, and then maybe they moved further north to the Germanic um, tribes. Um, and uh, I mean, we don't know exactly. It's just like few things that were found. And um, so we are able to uh, decipher like what was the origin uh, but since they are they have been all over Europe it seems like it and even like I, I'm very much into like the ancient symbols of, of like Bronze Age Europe um, so I have uh, begun to notice them also in these like other ancient uh, symbols so they they might be even older or who knows I mean they might be really ancient uh, but this is like the from traditional history. History we know that they they come from the Germanic tribes. And were they used um, as a written language to communicate, or were they primarily used for magical symbols? Well, it was both. It was both the written language and um, for divination. We know um, from Tacitus, the the Roman historian, we know that the Germanic tribes. Uh, used the runes like to divinate um, and they, they usually had them on, on sticks. They were throwing sticks with runes written on them. And so for them, it was really sacred. And um, then from Norse mythology, we know that uh, the runes were legendarily brought to us by God Odin, um, who was supposed to receive them when he went on a shamanic journey through the Yggdrasil, the world tree or the tree of life. 
and he beheld them in the well of ancient wisdom, well of Mimir, who translates as uh, uh, wisdom, uh, wise giant. So um, I, 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 I suppose like that um, this mythology like lets us, you know, into the magic, lets us look at the magical uh, side of, of the runes. And also I love this story about the three Norns, the three giantesses who carved the runes into the world tree uh, and they also live by the roots uh, by one of the wells not the well of Mimir the the other one but um, yeah it's like all connected to the roots and the wells so it seems like this ancient alphabet really rose from the roots uh, of um, of the tree this legendary uh, world tree interesting um, you mentioned the the, the tree um, where did the tree of Idrazel come from? And, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier before we came on the air, to me it seems very similar to the same tree of life that's also found in the Kabbal Kabbalistic tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it could be related, but from what we know about the Yggdrasil, uh, or mountain ash, as it translates. Like some say it's ash, some say it's yew tree, mm -hmm. because mountain ash is actually a yew tree. Uh, but it comes from the uh, Icelandic uh, poems, uh, medieval poems written by uh, Snorri, and um, they're called Eddas. Mm -hmm. uh, so it comes from like the the uh, these uh, like Icelandic, ancient Icelandic um, or medieval. Icelandic texts. That's where it first appears, the word Yggdrasil. Um, and it is true that all these shapes of the rune can be found in the tree, correct? E, well, it, it depends. Like, if you look at the tree geometrically, because in the Norse tradition, the, the world tree of life is depicted as a six-pointed star, mm -hmm. kind of the snowflake pattern. So it's not like the two triangles merged, like the Star of David, but it's like the snowflake star, as they call it, but it's made of three lines. So it has these six points. And from this um, shape, all the other runes can be derived. That's like the mother rune. So if you look at it, uh, symbolically um, at the tree, then you can you can see all the runes in it, and I love that. Uh, I love that approach. I love mm -hmm. the six pointed star. Would that mean, like spiritually, that all things come from one? From water? Oh, from one, like from one source. One. Ah, from one. Yeah, I. I mean. The thing about the six-pointed uh, star is that it's uh, hexagonal, and hexagons are everywhere. I mean, they're in the core of our DNA. They're, um, I mean, the the atoms they they are bound in hexagonal shapes and um, molecules, and uh, all matter uh, arose from this hexagonal shape. So to me, it makes a lot of sense that the six-pointed star would be like the mother rune, the core of this uh, world and its creation. Um, yeah, so I, I, I guess it's, uh, it, it is like this origin of everything. And how, how are these symbols used for magic and divination? Well, I, I like the, the best, uh, there are various ways. I mean, usually like the most common one is that you have the rune set that you can make from mm, wooden sticks or mm -hmm. from stones, from pebbles, or uh, uh, I think chestnuts are also great uh, to draw runes. So you can cast the runes and, and read, um, read their symbolism for divination purposes. Uh, but what I love about the runes is that also they offer us solutions. So when we receive a certain rune, it tells us something about the issue or the something that we need to focus on. But it also gives us a powerful symbol that we can use to maybe solve that issue or address something for our benefit. So I, I love this approach that we can work with them both for divination and for manifestation. And in my experience, like it's just when you learn the runes, you don't even need to cast the 
the the runes or had the runes um, in this form because they start to like pop up around in nature and everywhere, usually in nature because they're so bound with nature. It's the language of nature. So if you take a walk in the forest or park, you start to see certain runes and you get these synchronicities. So if you keep seeing one rune, it means that this is some issue maybe that you should address or maybe this rune uh, is telling you something that you didn't know of or it's advising you to work with it so you can manifest what you desire. Um, and how about, can they be used like for talisman? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they make wonderful talismans um, and it's, you can use them in various ways. You can either, you know, wear pendants or you can like create them from branches and hang them up at your home. Or you can even just imagine them in your aura or around you as shields. You can also um, just like draw them in the air. You can do various things. It's like very creative working with runes. One of the things that I've also, you know, I didn't realize it until I started reading about runes, but you can actually find rune shapes in German architecture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think also Dutch. Um, yes. Yeah, they Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like yeah. Um, I forget what the what is that rune for for protection? It's almost like an upside down peace sign. Uh, you mean ah yeah, Algis, Algis or Elas? It mm -hmm. has these two names. Algis is for swan, and Elas is for elk. Yeah, and that's I love that rune. Yeah, that's usually in architecture. I mean, until uh, usually when you make wooden structures, you see Algis in yes. the structure. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really common here, like in in, in areas where like a lot of Dutch people live. You'll see it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's like especially medieval architecture. They had this, like they were just they let it be uh, shown. They didn't hide it, which I love. And it's also maybe they were aware of it. Maybe it was they they let it be shown because it has this protective quality. This especially this room. I like to think so, but they yeah. were. I, I think so too. Like I know here is most often seen like sort of like above the door usually, holding like towards the roof. So it's yeah. like protecting the home from anybody enter you know, something bad entering. Yeah, yeah. And it's also wonderful because it has this connection to the swan symbolism and possibly to the swan constellation. So who knows like what kind of connections there are um, with this rune, but it's definitely like the rune of divine protection and connecting to the divine um, and also our higher self or our divine self. Um, there are different variations too um, of runic alphabets, right? There's like mm -hmm. the elder, uh, Firth Arc, and then there's another one, I believe. I forget what yeah. the other one's called. It's well, the, the most common ones are the Elder Futhark and the Younger Futhark. Then you also have the Gothic runes, mm -hmm. uh, and then you have the Anglo Saxon runes. Uh, and but most of them, like the the Elder Futhark, is the oldest one, so I like to work with that one. But most of them are quite similar when you look at them, like similar in, in the way they're drawn and in symbolism. Uh, but the Elder Futhark is the the most ancient one, so I like to work with that one. Um, and how, how, how did you... Uh, are, are the rune shapes and sacred geometry connected? Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I love about it. And that's actually when I first um, got into sacred geometry and I noticed the runes are so uh, connected to this hexagonal pattern and to the flower of life, it just started to click as like that there's some connection, some power there. And, you know, you know, the flower of life, like the, the, the circles that are um, that come from the central one. Mm -hmm. It's like when you look at it, it's um, 
it seems like it could be the well, like the well uh, of wisdom, because it's it's interesting how you can perceive all the runes in in this net of the circles of flower of life. So I like to th compare it to this well of wisdom that maybe Odin looked into when he beheld the runes. And uh, yeah, it's like through the hexagonal shapes, uh, they're, they're uh, connected mainly. Um, so how much of this has to do, like, I know this is like, like, you mentioned Odin a couple of times, so this is really interconnected, like with the Norse Norse mythology, correct? With the yeah. story of Odin and him hanging from the tree. Yeah. Um, like, like, what does that story mean? It, it, like, why is that depicted that way? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but. Um, I, I mean, it's interesting when you think about that most of the ancient trees of life, they were depicted upside down, and you have Odin hanging upside down the tree of life. Uh, so there's something about like um, this S above, so below, you know, this magic code of S above, so below. And it's something like about going to the roots. Um I'm not sure like what they, but to me, it seems like um, some kind of a metaphor of a shamanic journey. Mm -hmm. sh like shamans like to travel through trees, right? Um, and they usually go down through the roots. Uh, so it's something like a shamanic journey that he went on and he beheld like this, this ancient alphabet uh, that was something very magical and he wanted to bring it to us to to humanity but also to the other gods so it seems like he really like grasped something very powerful from from these roots i i guess we have to guess i what do you <laughs> think it means this this uh, story um you know i'm not sure uh, one of the things that 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 always kind of you know, throws me off is that 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 Odin was supposedly hung from the tree upside down, and then somebody took out his eye with his spear. And mm. you know, and I, and I always try to wonder, like, like there. Um, I think that's a. <laughs> I think that's because. I don't know. I, I I think it's all metaphorical. Like I don't think he. I, because when you go into like um, the ancient text, it says that he sacrificed the eye in the well. Right. But what if it was just something like that? Maybe he uh, sacrificed his physical sight to be able to see through the third eye. That's what I but, think too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it could be a metaphor of the third eye. Um. Because, of course, these tribes, they were warrior tribes, was the Vikings. So maybe they colored it into something more like, you know, um, uh, brutal, like, you know, <laughs> losing his eye literally um, or being like pierced and tortured. But I, I don't know. I, I like to think that it was different, that it's a shamanic journey. Mm -hmm. And who knows if the texts were, you know, rewritten um, to to add this kind of like more you know, aggressive, like Viking-like energy to it. Uh-huh. Also, I guess this just came to my mind. Maybe it means like one eye is looking outward and the other one is looking inward. Just like with the tree, yeah. half of it's reaching upward and then the roots are reaching down. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And it connects the S above, so below, right, together. And that's why they would have them hanging upside down as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Because also, like, the ravens that he has, like, they represent his eyes. Like, they go and they search the tree of life. So it seems like there's some symbolism of flying, of some flight, or maybe, you know, going through the different realms with the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's like so much interesting uh, symbolism there. Yeah, you know, I forgot all about the ravens. Now I'm thinking Game of Thrones with that kid in the tree. 
Yeah, I'm. I, I think it was inspired by Odin. Wasn't it had it? to have been. Yeah, I think so because yeah, it's true. He's also connected to the tree, right? So yeah. it's, there could be some inspiration there. Absolutely, I just that just popped up my. I just never really made that connection until just now. I I think the author must have been inspired because he also has the fire and ice element, which is like the two basic elements of Norse mythology. So it it there he probably drew inspiration there. Yes. Um, how about using the uh, runes for meditation purposes? Like, say say you have something that you want, and there's, it would it be helpful to meditate on a rune that's related to that desire? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, there are many ways to approach the runes. I. I think like each person is different and if you if you have a powerful imagination I think meditating like with your um, inner sight or just literally like looking at it with your physical sight like anything there's also runic yoga uh, or you can do the runic postures mm -hmm. which is called the runic yoga um, because our bodies are actually uh, able to stand in the power of each rune. So that's also a powerful method, how you can bring the rune into your space and into your physical presence. Um, there's also chanting. You can chant the runes, uh, like their names uh, or just certain vowels. Um, but I think it's the best to combine it and just see like what works. I mean, each person likes something different. Mm -hmm. But definitely meditation is powerful with with symbols and runes. Um, one of the things that I have read is that uh, you should never purchase runes, that you should always make your own. Is there a reason for that? And is there any truth to it? I don't know. I uh, My first rune set was purchased, so I don't know. And I still <laughs> like to use it sometimes. Um, I guess it depends. I think why it's recommended to make your own, uh, and I definitely recommend it too, is because you put your own energy uh, into the, these objects that carry the, the symbols of the runes. Um, and also maybe if you use like natural objects, it connects with nature. So I guess that's the reason why it's recommended, because you put your own energy and you can make it as some kind of like um, special connection of, of you with the runes and the nature. And, and it's like it creates some kind of a magic and connection to this set that you create on, on your own. Yes. I, mm -hmm. I had made my own set. God. Yeah. 30. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago. It was like 30 years ago. I don't have, oh. I don't have many more. <laughs> I have oh, no idea cool. what happened to them, but. And how did you make them? From wood or? I, I used clay. Ah, clay. Yeah, cool. I, I used clay, and then I kind of made the shapes in the clay, and then painted in the shapes. Ah, nice. Okay, and you still use them? You work with them? I I don't. I don't know what happened to that set. Oh. It was a long time ago. Mm. And then I remember uh, putting them in moonlight to charge them. Mm, yeah yeah i mean moonlight or sunlight it's it's a wonderful way to to charge charge the runes especially if they are carved into crystal crystals like that um one of the things that you mentioned is going out into nature and looking at trees and being able to see the rune shapes in the trees um yeah. How does how does that work? Explain to me what's you know the process behind that, and, and like what kind of wisdom can be gained be gained from doing that kind of practice. Well, for this, it would be great to have a picture because um, there, like the runes, can just be seen in in branches and sometimes in the in the trees, tree bark, or even even in straws, you know, in grass or in field, like how straws are are formed or stones. And I that's like 
I think that's um, what's so great about it is that you can receive the spontaneous divination. Like maybe if you take uh, a walk with the intention to find an answer to something or you go with a certain thought and then you just are aware of the shapes in nature and then you start to see see the runes or different symbols. It's not just runes, it's different symbols. The OM al alphabet is also uh, present in, in, in nature. And then you just receive these like the spontaneous divination. And that's what I find so amazing. Uh, and especially now in the winter time, like um, in, in my um, climate now, it's, it's like you can see the trees, you know, the skeletons of the trees. Mm -hmm. You can see the runes even better than when you have the leaves uh, on covering or concealing the shapes. So now it's even more powerful and it's also interesting that you can like connect the, the messages. So maybe you see uh, rune algis and um, ansus together and you may put it together as protection from your ancestors or from uh, some of your spirit guides. Uh, and you can put the messages together into like more concrete meanings. Uh, so it's really like reading um, reading messages when you become aware of of these shapes and trees but it's it's i would have to show you pictures like mm -hmm. um you know of how because if if you're not familiar with the runes then you won't see it it's like it's it's only there for those who who are aware of these shapes right. so i'm sure for you now like if if you have you ever tried it have oh, you ever yeah. seen oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like, as soon as you become familiar with the rune shapes you will just start automatically seeing them everywhere yeah, you look. Yeah. So you also get these these messages, right? When you take a walk. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I also, for, for me anyway, I, I found like, uh, you know, I'll start seeing the same one everywhere. And it, that's when I really know it means something. Ah, yeah. That's the most powerful. Like when you when you start seeing them repetitively, right? That's mm -hmm. the most powerful guidance. Yeah, like, like especially some of the, I mean, like some like you'll obviously always see like like, a, like the one that's a straight line. You're gonna see that everywhere. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 some of the other ones that are more complex, you know, um, you, you know, it's gonna it, it might have some more meaning to it. Yeah. At, le at least for well, me, like like that's how I kind of go by. Yeah. Yeah, and with the straight line, it's kind of like that's the basic rune. It repeats in all the other runes. So it's it's true that like uh, that that you can see ev everywhere. So you maybe wouldn't consider that as like uh, a big guidance, mm -hmm. but it yeah, it's the core of all the others. So yeah. How about the order of the runes? Is there a specific order to them? Uh, I I like to just. Well, yeah, I mean, in, in the newer traditions, they try to put them into these sets of uh, eight, three times eight. Mm -hmm. But I I like to just perceive them like naturally. I don't see like there's not much um, like when you when you study it and I, I don't know, like there doesn't seem to be much like of a need to put them into these um, sets. I don't know if you have the same opinion because they're so free on their own. Uh, and I like to look at it really like being picked from the well of wisdom, like that one doesn't have to follow the other. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know what's, what's your opinion about this, but I like to look at them as like free symbols uh, and I don't like to really put them into any order. I'm used to seeing them in a certain order because most of the books that I've read on it always put them in a certain order. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I know that it's also, especially you know, in, with some certain authors, almost every author, well, oh, I put them in this order. Then you'll read another book and somebody else puts them in a different order. It, and yeah. they'll all say that their order is the right order. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. That's what like that's why I think, you know, I like to just approach them as free free symbols. And it's 
I don't, I, it's like when I, when I got into it, I noticed that it's kind of a new thing to, to put them into this order. So I, like I said before, I like to go into the ancient uh, past to, to get inspiration. Um, so I, I just thought, you know, I, I would just approach them like Odin, you know, pick them one by one mm-hmm. <laughs> from the well. Um, yeah, but there's not really, it's not like, like in tarot, it makes sense. Like you have the numbers connected to the cards and there's yes. like this kind of a journey, right? But right. with the runes. And that's, I think that's what people try to do with the runes is they're trying to put them in a certain order by their defined meaning to um, reflect the mythology. Yeah. I mean, that's the human mind, right? We always want to put everything into some kind of an order. Um, yeah, I guess the runes are, are a bit chaotic, and that's what I love about them, like that they don't really fit into any order or any, like, um, I, I guess they don't have any beginning and end, you know? Right. They're like timeless, timeless symbols. That's interesting, because even though the, the, like, like, like the runes themselves cannot be put in any type of order, you know, I mean, you know, humans make things up, but yet in nature, they do kind of reflect order. Because if you find them everywhere in nature, you find them in the shapes of branches, you find them in trees, you find them in rocks, you find it in architecture, mm-hmm. you find it in everything that, that that basically exists, it's almost like they are the foundation or the order of our universe. Yeah. The question is if it's order or if it's the structure of the... Yes. Of, of of nature and of this world they're like the structure blocks but they don't mm-hmm. come in any like you know like that one would precede the other or do you do you think so do you think that they have some like uh, i think i think structure yeah structure is probably a better word than order yeah um but i i, I do think that they do represent some type of cosmological structure of yeah, the way definitely. things are, because it can be seen all over the place in nature, all the way down to even like things like the shape of DNA and chemical compounds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they are in the structure. They are in the in this. It's it comes back to the hexagonal pattern and the six pointed star. So they come from all these um, these shapes and combinations. But I guess, I, I don't know, I, I never saw it as that they would come like that first you see Fehu and then you see Algis or like that they have some kind of a, um, like this, but that it's more like the, the they are like the building blocks of the, of matter. Um, I guess, I guess that's, that's one way to view it. Yeah. See, is it, that kind of, like, like if I were to do it, and look at them as the building blocks of, of order, then I would end up like starting with Isa because it's a straight line. Yeah. Well, the there are three runes that repeat in all the other runes. If if you it's it's the Isa, which is a straight line, mm-hmm. then the Kenas, which is um the which is my name, <laughs> which is the two two lines, you know, opened like this V symbol, uh-huh. like pointing right. Uh, and then the the gebo, which is the two lines uh, intersected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and these these three runes repeat in all the other runes. You can see them. In, so, I guess that there is some kind of a order in this way that these three runes uh, can be seen in all the other runes, or the the other runes consist of these three runes. And I guess it's because, I mean, ice and fire. Isa is ice. And Kenas is fire. So I think it's connected to the two basic elements of Norse mythology. Uh, it's the basic elements, and it's also these two basic runes, which I find very interesting, like this correlation there. Right. So, yeah, the, it's true that these these three runes are in all the other ones. What also makes me think about those, I, I completely had forgotten about the, the three mother runes. And um, yeah. it, 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 in some ways, it reminds me of also like a trinity, 
you know, because the Trinity's founded all these different religions as well. Yeah, yeah, it's um, true. And it's like the three Norns also, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, the three mothers. It's Yeah, it's always the Trinity or the triple goddess of the Celtic traditions. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in Catholicism, there's the, the Holy Trinity. And that's also one of the things I also found interesting is some of the symbolism between Odin and Jesus actually seems to be similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, I also find it with Buddha. Like Buddha mm -hmm. also found enlightenment by the body Sitting tree. Sitting under a tree, yeah. So it's, yeah, there is definitely like these ascended um masters or ascended beings they seem to be all connected to trees to the symbolism of tree or some kind of tree of life uh yeah there are many also Os osiris uh, the the spine of osiris is the column of the world like mm -hmm. the trunk of the the world tree so there are more gods and and um what could we say, ascended masters that are connected to the tree symbolism. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I find that really fascinating. I, that's why I wrote my, my tree magic book. Um, I got uh, so inspired by this, like how it all connects, all the cultures connect with the world tree and the tree of life. I like to say the world tree of life because um, like there are these two ways, right, to say either world tree or tree of life. So I, I like to combine it so uh -huh. so that it's like clear that it's both <laughs> concepts in one. I like yeah. that. Uh, I, I like that because we're, we're so used to separating, like even me, you know, I'll be like, oh, well, there's this tree and then there's that different spiritual model of a tree. You know, yeah. saying it as the world tree brings it back to like, we're all talking about the same thing. We just might be using some different terms. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think tree of life, people often imagine the Kabbalistic tree of yes. life. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, yeah, I realized uh, that often when I say tree of life, people imagine the Kabbalistic one, and then it may be also a Celtic tree of life, different traditions. So, uh yeah, I get confused by these. Uh, also, you have the tree of light, right? And yes. the, the tree of uh, good and evil and tree of knowledge. So <laughs> there are all kinds of, but I guess it's the same. Like to me, it's all the same concept of this uh, one living tree of all these realms and worlds that are interconnected. It always starts with the tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really it's really fascinating this this thing. Also, if it could be connected, like I, I uh, uh, in my in my tree magic book, I like to go into this that the tree of life might be uh, reflected in the electromagnetic field of our heart and of the earth, because the electromagnetic field is in the shape of a torus. And if you look at the Taurus uh, and this flow of the energy from within without, um, it kind of creates a tree that looks like um, the Celtic tree of life where the roots and the branches are interconnected. Um, so I like to think of the tree of life as this, you know, uh, this field of energy that is around us and around the planet and around all the other planets in the whole galaxy. And it's like these endless trees of life floating in the universe. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a beautiful image, imagery. Yeah. And, and, and it's ancient. It's, 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 it's like, like you were mentioning earlier, like you really are like, like the ancient symbology. And... It, it it connects with what we are constantly learning now, uh, you know, through science and through observing nature and observing space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Like it, it just all connects. Like at one point, if you go into it, it starts to all connect. Like magic connects with science and and mythology and everything just connects into this one principle, and. 
what I love about this toroidal field is that it's self-organizing, uh, self-rejuvenating energy field. And the idea that we all naturally have it, that we all have this electromagnetic field of our hearts, uh, just makes you think like what we are capable of if we only learn to work with it, with this energy of constant renewal and rejuvenation. And I suppose it connects also to the light body, you know, that our light body is probably able to do this constant renewal. Uh -huh. um, is there any connection like between, like if we're using the light body, is, is there a way to like maybe incorporate runes into like a, a, a chakra system? Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought of that. I suppose, I suppose they could like fit into the chakra system. Definitely the tree of life. Um, because if you, if you look at it again from this toroidal uh, sense, like the chakras, like the energy runs from within, without, right? Right. From, from below, above and above, back mm -hmm. down. And uh, so there must be some connection and but i haven't that's a good idea like to try to apply runes to the chakras uh i haven't i haven't thought about that but i'm sure that certain runes uh would like the the sun rune would probably fit into the solar plexus right um yeah yeah, yeah. it's a good idea have you have you uh been doing that no i haven't it just no? it just came up with that idea yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to now think about it, like which rune would fit into which chakra, but I'm, I'm sure that it fits, you know, that it's somehow, like when you when you get to think about it, it starts to click. Yeah, I, I just like looking for interconnectivity, trying to connect different dots between different systems. Yeah. And, and um, you know, like I say, I, I really think there's... Um, it's all sort of the same thing, you know, the, the like the tree, like the Kabbalistic tree, the, the tree of Yggdrasil, um, you know, some of these different divination systems, like, the, you know, using the runes for divination, tarot, I Ching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, there has, I, I, I just think there's some kind of universal connection, a universal language that in these different systems that really speaks to, to humanity. And and I think it even like maybe it communicates with our own DNA somehow, and mm -hmm. and that's why they've been around for so long. Yeah, yeah, I I believe that too. That it's all like it's all these codes and keys to understanding like what this what the purpose of this world is. Yes. Yeah. Um. Do you have any type of favorite ritual or or daily routine that you use with the runes to? help enhance your life um i i just go by like when whenever i need um some support like i i like to um i like to connect with algis for protection the algis elas rune that we yes. talked about before i do that almost daily mm -hmm. like i imagine it when i leave the house i imagine it uh, being protected by this rune or I imagine it in my space when I go somewhere or on top of the car. Uh, it's it's really powerful because it gives me this sense of uh, shielding and also comfort, like this protection and, and divine guidance. Um, so that's like a rune that I work with daily. And then also the six-pointed star, like the that's also a powerful shield. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then there are runes, then there are certain runes that I just see and I know that I should be working with them. I I have a good experience with um, the Fehu rune um, for, that's the wealth rune, like uh -huh. usually when I started to run out of money and I did my Fehu <laughs> uh, posture and, and chanting and, and Fehu um, meditation, uh, then usually something came along that would give me um, 
that would bring money so mm-hmm. some good work like it wasn't that money would fall from the sky but <laughs> like there would come you know some good good work um or good project or something like that that brought brought the money and then i didn't have to worry about it so i have good experience with fehu in that regard right. knock knock on wood <laughs> i hope it, it stays and just and, to, my, to my listeners who like might be listening um, if, if they don't know what these symbols are, I just suggest like to Google them and bring up bring up a list of the uh, the Elder Futhark, and you'll you'll be able to see that Fehu is like it's almost like standing up with your arms up in the air, kind of open, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so yeah, it's, it's like it, 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 it has like an almost like a, a welcoming, like inviting type of posture to it. Yeah, and that's and I love that when I do the posture, I even like to move my fingers like feeling like the energy coming into my space. Um, yeah, and it's it's also good, like if you do the postures, which I find really powerful, it's good to do it in all the worldly directions, like start at the east and then you mm-hmm. move to the north and the west and the south. Some so of these postures I don't think I would be, do, be able to do, like uh, uh, yes, y- some y- of them like are- Yoru's. <laughs> comfortable is that how i pronounce it <laughs> which one yoruz U- yeah, uh, yeah the yera you mean i don't know how to pronounce it but it looks like it would be impossible for me to do it's okay. like completely it's like completely bending over and like touching my toes kind of type of thing and i don't bend like that <laughs> yeah i mean i i tried like um there, there are several ways to do it, but I have, like, I tried for my book to pick, like, the most comfortable uh, positions that, because there are more ways, like, with one of the runes, the perthro, which is this, like, it looks kind of like a figure sitting on the ground, like, with, um, uh, it's, it's difficult to describe it, <laughs> um, the perthro rune, yeah, that's, that's oh, quite yeah, a Oh, yeah, 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 that one looks like a tough one. Yeah, you, you, have, know, you, you would have to kind of like sit down with your knees up and like maybe like hold yeah. your hands sort of bent yeah. in front of you. Yeah, and that's the most comfortable. But when I started, I was always trying to do it standing up and that's like impossible. Mm-hmm. So then I found this exactly like this comfy position that you just sit on the ground. Um, yeah, but some of them are tricky, like Sovio. Uh, the S rune, the sun rune. Mm-hmm. That's like you kind of look like you're skiing when you do that posture. So uh-huh. it's and uh, it's not so comfortable to stand it, in it for a long time. How but then there are some runes that just come naturally, you know, Jura. like the th- Jura th- th- tough. Which one? Is it Jura? J E R A? Yes, Yera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. I mean, it's uh, if you position your hands. Uh, if you just do it with your hands, not yeah, with you your legs, yeah. you can just do it with your arms and your hands. I have it, I think I have it on my website, the postures. I definitely have it in, in my book, but um, yeah, I tried to make the most comfortable ones. Um, so I, I, I guess, you know, it's if you find some that is uh, difficult, like maybe you will be surprised to see that it's not so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what are some of the common, um, like one, is there universal meanings for all the runes or do some of the meanings even vary also? That's one of the other things I noticed too when I was reading reading some books on it. There, yeah. I mean, some, some of the rooms definitely had like universal meanings, and, and others did not. Like yeah, some of them seem to vary a little bit. Well, that's that's the tricky part um, because the meanings are known to us through these um, poems, these runic poems. Mm-hmm. And there are several. There's the Icelandic, the Norse, and then the Anglo-Saxon uh, rune poems. And and some of them are really similar, and some differ. So it's um, it's it's a tricky. I guess that's where the intuition comes in handy. <laughs> that you like connected with your mind, but then you just go into the um, like what your intuition tells you about these runes. 
but some of them are really similar, like the sun rune is sun everywhere. So then the symbolism derives mm. from, from sun. And um, <clears throat> there is especially the Kenas rune, because there is another rune called Kaun, uh, which means boil, but it's a different rune. So some people like put them together, which I don't understand why, because they're so different in symbolism. And also the Kaun rune looks different. It kind of looks like like Fehu, but without the extra line on top. Uh -huh. And the Kenas is like a clear, like, you know, open triangle or like two, you know, this V facing right. Uh, but some people put them together. I don't know why. Um, I, I noticed some authors do that. Uh, but the symbolism is definitely like the sources, these rune poems. And then it was just, you know, it's, I guess it depends on the person that works with them to interpret it um, in various ways and apply different, it's like with astrology, right? Like um, it can be perceived, like the symbolism is the same, the core, but then it can be perceived in various ways, like with all the symbols, I suppose. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, best way to go with them usually would be intuition that's how i would go about it yeah you know because yeah. you know some some of them like the, the meaning is obvious simply by looking at their shapes yeah you know yeah, like, like the arrow pointing up you know yeah uh, yeah it? exactly yeah like that that obviously means like like, like a focused direction yes yeah and also like some stability and also the arrow reminds us of the inner warrior mm -hmm. aspect through yeah that's true when i wrote my book it was interesting because i tried to like always before i went into a chapter i tried to channel with the norns and i would ask for like messages and uh, synchronicity to really like write it uh, as well as i'm able uh, using not only the ancient traditions but also my intuition and some interesting things were happening around it then like always something happened that made me realize what the rune is really about and what its purpose is um, well, what yeah. is that what is that like when you when you channel something like that um, is it just intuitive or do things just start coming to you yeah, I, well, when I channel, I like to just do a protection. So I make sure that no um, tricksters come into my mind or some like negative entities. Um, so I, I just do a protection and then I, I just uh, channel with the intention, either with my spirit guides or just with my higher self, or in this case was the Norns. I try to connect to the Norns who are carving the runes into the, the, the world tree. But I always make sure that there's no interference because, um, of course, these tricksters like uh, tricksters like to come when people channel, right? <laughs> they <laughs> like to interfere. Um, but it's yeah. I, I mean, I think I like to like I like to think that like most writers, like when they write, they they channel. I think mo most writers agree that it it just comes from some source that is incomprehensible in some way it makes it hard to take credit for your own work yeah that's true <laughs> that's true yeah i guess <laughs> i guess uh, but then again you don't know like it's it's tricky you know it's true like if you have some like help in this in this way then i guess it's very egocentric to put your name on the text <laughs> <laughs> I, I go back and forth with that, you know, um, because I, I got, I write and I play music and I do this podcast uh -huh. and sometimes it's hard for me to take credit for my best work. Cause I'm like, I have no idea what made me write that or say that or play that. It just happens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you have the same, do you also sometimes feel like you're just like the vehicle for it or like just this machine, like, um, you know, making it happen in this world. I hope so. You know, that, that is my ultimate, you know, 
goal, I guess, or not even goal, but but I, I would let, I'd much rather be a a, a conduit oh, ra- 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 nice. rather than, than an actual source. Yeah. Because because that way, I think the information or the knowledge or wisdom or power, whatever you want to call it, is more pure. It, it, it's untarnished. Yeah, that's true. But maybe, you know, maybe it ultimately comes from our higher selves mm-hmm. that are like the, that have this, you know, um, connection to the higher consciousness and so we channel that higher consciousness through our physical selves that are in this world or this matrix. Yeah. So who, who knows how, how it is, but it, it really feels like that. It's, do you also feel like if you write sometimes that you are reading instead of writing? Sometimes it, it, it definitely, something like that happens to me a lot when I'm playing guitar actually because uh-huh. i'll be playing uh-huh. guitar and i'll feel like i'm just listening to music rather than playing music yeah and, oh, and, and, and then i catch myself like wait wait a minute i'm not that good of a guitar player to be playing this yeah. <laughs> and then i get that's when i get tripped up <laughs> well that's great well i mean that means that you're really connected right yeah, yeah. Cool. it must be amazing with music i don't know this experience with like the music running through you that must be amazing but sometimes i i i hope to try to do that with the podcast and honestly like like it's just like with music or writing or anything else sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't you know and uh yeah. that's why some of my my episodes like some of my episodes are better than others there's there's days where in, in guests that I connect with and it just flows and it goes really well and then there's others where you know there's just some kind of blockage or something and I'll be just stumbling over my words for a whole interview yeah well who knows what it yeah who knows what it is but now we should be in Mercury retrograde. So oh, I, 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 I hate Mercury retrograde. It's, yeah. it's BS. Uh, I wish somebody would just put Mercury in one spot and just leave it there. Yeah, he's very mercurial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, but, this... you know, I, I find like I, I write quite well during Mercury retrograde. Uh, I'm not sure I do anything well. <laughs> <laughs> like, like last night I was doing a podcast and uh I don't know my digital recorder wasn't working. Nothing was working. Even the, the guests didn't show up. One I had I actually had three guests for for one interview and uh one guest had bailed in advance. The other guest never showed up, so I just had this one guest where there was supposed to be three. And, and, and he, and the first thing he says to me, he's like, "Well, Mercury's in retrograde. That's why nothing's working." And I'm just like, "Oh man!" <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I, I don't know if, if some, some part of it is also that we expect that things won't be working during Mercury retrograde. It's true that when I wasn't aware of it, uh, uh, I didn't think of it, so I can't compare it, but. Sometimes with these things, you know, one never knows. Like, what's the if we just program ourselves this way, or if it's really has this effect? No, it's real. Yeah, it's real. Okay. <laughs> everything's everything's okay. Er, 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 if anything that this tree proves is everything is connected. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean. Also, the effect of the moon changes and and the planetary alignments. It's true that it's it, it does have a, a strong effect. Oh yeah! If if you if you want to see me manic, wait till a full moon. I'm, <laughs> I am all over the place. I can't focus on anything. <laughs> I get moody when nothing works. I'm just a mess. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if I. I, I don't know. I um I definitely feel more energy. Like I feel more energized when it's full moon. But I never got this like um what what some people describe like this kind of manic behavior. Hmm. I feel like I usually get that on the new moon more, like these 
Um, what sign are you? Sign. I'm I'm a fish with horns because I'm right uh, between the Pisces and uh, Ram Aries. All right. So so you might be more in tune then with the moon because it's more of a watery type of thing. Yeah, I I think I'm more of a Pisces than yeah. than Aries, but I'm right on the in between. Yeah, see, I'm Capricorn. I'm kind of just, I guess I'm at odds with lunar power. Oh, well, but, I mean, Capricorns are, like, all Capricorns I know are really great, um, great people and good friends. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I think you are quite blessed with your star sign. I do, I guess. It's also challenging sometimes because also as a Capricorn, Capricorns can be selfish and really motivated towards material things. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. They were more like selfless than selfish. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> it's a, it, it, it's a struggle. Yeah. At least okay. for me. Uh, yeah, well, I mean... There are so many other things, right? Also the ascendant and, and some other. Um, I used to do astrology when uh, I've, now I'm, I'm moving back from it uh, a bit, but I used to be into it a lot. Yeah, I, I've had a, a guest once. She did my, my astrology chart. And uh, I mean, she was dead on. She, oh, cool. She was amazing. Mm, 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 mm. uh, well i i guess it's again like this language of of the universe like what i i guess if you can tap into it and really like draw from that source then it's amazing if you connect it with astrology i I guess i guess i try to connect with other things yeah um yeah so before we wrap this up, like, like where can my listeners find you? Um, well, I have a website where I have many articles on the runes and the symbols and sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's com. It's just my name. And um, yeah, I, I, I like to put like when I, also, when I write a book, I like to put a little article that kind of sums up the book on my website. Uh, so there's plenty of information on the runes and, and geometries and, and symbols and other things. So that's like my main uh, place, I, right. I guess. I also have a YouTube channel where I like to put these videos of uh, like un- different animations of symbols and and runes. Um, which is also under my name. I have to say, yeah. And then I just have, yeah. Your website is amazing. You have more information on your website than than most people have in our books. Oh, (laughs) oh, thank you. That's a beautiful compliment. Yeah, I try. I try to put. I mean, I just feel often like I really want to share certain things with people. So I get so excited and I just have to put it out there, whether it's in the video form or in the article form. Uh, So, yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, it it, it is awesome. There is so much here. Um, Somebody could easily spend just a week going through all the stuff on your website, <laughs> or at least I could definitely, because there's so oh, much information enough. here. Yeah. And I, I hope to add more and more. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah uh, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll definitely post a link to this website in the notes of this episode. Yeah. So my listeners will be able to check it out um, when they're listening. Thank you. And I'll also post links to your books on Amazon so that you can purchase your books. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for coming on today. This was fun. Great. Uh, Thank you. It was really fun talking to you. 
and um, thank you for this. Awesome. Uh, hang on one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro, and we'll wrap it up. Okay. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.